What is going on, Fantasy Alarm Nation? My name is Justin Fensterman, along with Matt Sells and Ryan Hallam, and it's time for another Fantasy Alarm Family Meetup, also known as the Family Times Podcast, here on FantasyAlarm.com, getting ready for the 2022 fantasy football season. Free draft guide at your disposal. You just go to the site, make sure you sign up for a free account, and then you get a free draft guide. Very easy. I know you can do it. What's going on, Ryan? How are things? Good, man. Uh, just uh, hanging out, watching a little home run derby. We're doing this uh, during that, so uh, enjoying that. And our contest tonight went off. We had a lot of people, so I'm pretty happy to sit back and watch and see who ends up winning this. Yeah, Ryan, you just watched Albert Pujols get eliminated in the semifinals. Is he your favorite Cardinals player of all time? You've been a fan for a while. Um, no, I started liking him because of Mark McGuire funny story with the Andro and everything. But uh, I started liking him with the A's. And then when he got traded, I kind of went with him to the Cardinals. And then uh, so it would always kind of be tough to to displaced the guy that that made me start to like the team but he's a he's a very close second I, I wasn't thrilled with the way he left but i understood why he left the angels gave him a deal that he could never one live up to or two refuse so uh you know after the initial sting of losing the best player of our generation i, I got over it especially when he sucked for them and who did albert Pujols lose to juan soto who for now is on one of matt sells's four baseball teams what's <laughs> going on what is going on, Sells? How, how would you feel if Juan Soto went from your first favorite team and got traded to your other favorite team, the Yankees? I think it's a legit possibility, to be honest. Um, it gets them out from the judge contract, which everybody seems to want them to sign a 30-year-old six foot seven outfielder to a long-term deal. I think it would behoove the Yankees to make an offer. Juan Soto and give up like four or five top prospects and maybe a major leaguer and then sign him to a very long-term deal at 23 years old and replace Judge and let Judge go somewhere else. Not that I don't like Aaron Judge. I'm just saying trying to sign a 30-year-old massive outfielder to a long-term deal isn't as uh, appealing as signing a 23-year-old version of this generation's Ted Williams. Uh, So... Yeah, I'm kind of mentally preparing myself for yet another star player leaving the Nationals here uh, between Trey Turner getting traded, Scherzer getting traded, Rendon walking away, Bryce Harper walking away, and now theoretically Juan Soto. Um, (laughs) You know what's funny? They run their team just like the fan base treats them. (laughs) Non-committal. I mean, it's hard to get committed to any team that turns over that much talent in the prime of their careers i mean every one of those guys except for scherzer who was traded on a rental deal uh was in the prime of their their career when they left and or got traded so it's a little it's a little tough i don't know i hope i hope there are mixed reports that the nats are going to offer one more uh contract please make it 15 years, $525 million. <laughs> Make it $36 million a year. No deferred money. That way he's like number one or number two in AAV, and it's the largest contract in baseball history. And if he says no to that, then he sounds like a money-grubbing uh, schmuck because that's what his agent is. Well, um, let, let me ask you this, Matt. I mean, if they give him that, it's not like they have Steve Cohen as their owner. They're, the rest of the team is going to go to hell. They can't offer not, one guy well, that much- 
then they're not going to be competitive for the majority of the contract, no? So here's the question. Who buys the team? Because the learners have them on the market. They're being they're being sold. And one of the rumored owners is a guy worth about four billion dollars, which is twice what Steve Cohen's worth. Yeah, but to you're like, gonna give you're gonna give one quarter of that to Juan Soto if he's worth okay. two billion. You're gonna give half but a billion to Soto. So here's here's the thing though. We're already paying Steven Strasburg thirty five million dollars a year. Yeah. Right? Like you're already paying Patrick Corbin to screw you over. Like twenty five million a year, Ooh. right? Like, so I look. The farm system's coming up. You have a window to compete when the farm system gets there with a bunch of really good, really cheap guys. And by the way, the guy the Nats just took in Sunday's first round of the MLB draft, Elijah Green, might be might be when all is said and done the best player in the draft. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a Nats fan. I'm I had him that way. Before the draft, before I knew where anybody was going, he has the highest upside. So, um, and he's the son of former All Pro tight end Eric Green. By the way, um, nothing made me feel older than watching the first round of the MLB draft <laughs> when Matt Holiday's kid got drafted. Um, Elijah Green is the son of Eric Green. You had who? Else? There was a couple other <laughs> sons. Carl Crawford's kid got drafted. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, there's four sons of major leaguers to go in the first round of last uh, – in the first round of this year's MLB draft for the first time ever. Not so, only sons of major leaguers. Like, I was in college when they were still playing, so that really makes me feel old. Yeah, I mean, Matt Holliday is like six years older than me, and his kid just got drafted in the first round. So that's – that kind of sucks. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go jump out the window now. <laughs> no, don't do that. I got a question for you, Ryan. Oh, okay. I'll a player that ha- we both shared, because I before we move on to the main topic of the show, I want to ask you about your fandom of Keith Hernandez. Were you a Keith Hernandez guy, or was that before your time? Uh, I mean, I was a fan in 86 of the Mets, so like, my dad was a Mets fan. I think we've had this discussion on this show before. So I grew up a Mets fan, so I was... I was still pretty young in 86. I was nine. Uh, I, I visually, you know, I really remember, I remember, you know, the golf ball going through Mickey, you know, Wilson or not going through his legs, going through Buckner's legs and all that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, at that point in your life, you're pretty much a fan of everyone on the team because you're still pretty young. So, yeah, I, I definitely was. Uh, I don't remember him being traded over there. Like 86 is really the first year I remember watching baseball. I think probably because my team was going to the world series, but uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I was I was real young. So, you know, when you're a kid like that, you're a fan of everybody in the team. The reason I say that is because I'm starting a new collection, and that collection is broadcaster bobbleheads. Oh, nice. And someone actually, because Keith Hernandez's number just got retired by the yeah. Mets, someone was at the game. The Mets for giveaways have a three-set for their broadcasters, their TV broadcasters, a three-set bobblehead series coming out. I already have one of them. My friend is giving me his or his girlfriends or whatever. So that's really nice of him. So that starts the collection right there. I'm hoping that someone else can help me out with the other few or I'll find a way to get them. The Me, Gino, but baseball broadcasters bobblehead. Not not players sells as you're trying. That's to. not a player. Oh, is it? I can't see. Oh, yeah. Never mind. I stand. I, stand. I mean, he did play. Dusty did play. Yes. But. Yes, I have a Dusty Baker 
bobblehead. So I'm starting this broadcaster bobblehead collection of like sports broadcasters and stuff like that. So that, cool. I'll let, yeah, that's, I was thinking about you because Keith Hernandez essentially starts the collection for me. Speaking of sports broadcasters, you know that Dwayne Kuyper was like the most drafted guy in the history of baseball? He got drafted twice every year between 1968 and 72. Wow. Did not know that. <laughs> yeah, really? it's kind of a weird – the baseball draft was wild back then. It's kind of kind of weird. But, yeah, he got drafted an absolute boatload um, before he actually signed and then played and then became the Giants uh, announcer. But, yeah, it, <laughs> it's pretty funny to go look at his baseball reference page. Didn't, didn't John Elway – get drafted by the Yankees yes. or something yes. like that, and then he had to make the decision, right? Well, no. He also drafted Here's by the, the Colts, had, and he didn't had, want to go there. Had Baltimore right. not traded him, he would have been the starting right fielder for the Yankees basically two years. I mean, he was a legit baseball player. The guy was legit in his tools. Um, so, yeah, had Baltimore – the Baltimore Colts, by the way, not traded him to – Denver for an okay package, I guess. Um, then yeah, he he definitely would have gone to the Yankees and and played uh, baseball for them. Yep. Somebody that we should talk about, guys, because at this point we're getting ready for our redraft. Some of us are already drafting in industry drafts. Ryan, you were just in FSGA. A couple of us are in Scott Fishbowl. So with that, I want to talk about some players that. We're all just a little unsure of when it comes to drafting for our fantasy football teams. And one of the players that I want to bring up to you guys is someone who you were murmuring about a little bit before we started the episode. And I think it's a perfect person to start. Cooper Cup. This guy is going, I'm seeing him range anywhere from pick number two to pick number eight or nine at this point. I've seen decent amount of analysts and i know how big of a fan a good amount of our co-workers and family members are of justin jefferson and with that cooper cup this is someone who caught 145 passes got in the end zone 16 times last year but let's talk about the reality of the situation and that is robert woods getting hurt cam Akers not being healthy for most of the year so there were different factors here. But the big question is regression. Okay, maybe a little bit. But is it going to be regression to the point where he's not going to hit value if we're going to take him second overall? I'm unsure as hell at this point. I haven't drafted him yet. I'm unsure whether or not I want to draft him. I have a hell of a lot of Allen Robinson right now because of the value you're getting. The price tag is still super cheap, at least not super cheap, but cheap in my opinion. So, Sells, what do you stand regarding Cooper Cup? Where are you taking him, if at all? I mean, if he's still there in the back of the first round, then I'll take him. Okay, I'm not going to let him slip past the first round. That's, But I'm also not going to spend the second overall pick on him. You're drafting him at his highest value, expecting him to get more return than he got last year, and that's just not going to happen. What he did last year is a career year. It will be a career best. Right, I understand that he and Matthew Stafford have a great connection. Congrats. Awesome. But again, you brought up the point, Robert Woods, who, by all accounts, 
even though he like gets slept on, was basically their number one wide receiver almost every year in terms of targets, right? He got injured early in the year. Then they never really settled into who was going to be the number two guy. They got OBJ. He was kind of okay for a little bit. And then he got injured. Granted, it was in the Super Bowl, essentially. Um, they never really had a great run game, right? I mean, they kept going between Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson and a few other guys. So, and one thing to keep in mind, by the way, is that uh, their superstar left tackle, Andrew Whitworth, retired. So, the line's a little iffier now. Their coach almost retired, too. Like, Sean McVay almost hung it up, was like, oh, I'm almost done. 36 must be nice. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not paying second overall um, or first overall for that. He's gone first overall in a few different drafts. Um, not paying that. I agree uh, on, on pretty much everything. Uh, I'm not taking him number two overall, mostly because I'm always taking running backs. Like, I'm just a running back first round almost every time. Like you said, if he's 10th overall or 9th overall, there's a chance I might I might pull the trigger because there's not too many picks before my next one, and I'll, I'll grab a running back then. Uh, I definitely agree there's going to be some regression. I don't think there's going to be a ton. I still think he'll be a top five receiver, possibly top – I mean, he still could be the number one receiver again. I don't think he will be. Uh, I think he'll be in the three to five range. Uh, I, I think he'll be the, the most targeted receiver, even with Allen Robinson, who's a, a good possession guy. But, like you said, I mean, you, there's no way you can go in 145 catches. That's almost 10 a game every game. Uh, you can't. You just can't count on that. That's a, a fluky thing. Uh, I know it was a new quarterback. I, I know they throw a lot. I, I know. I know Cam Akers is back, but I don't. I don't know that that's gonna. I still think they're gonna throw a ton because they have an awesome quarterback now. Uh, I just think. I think Matt hit it best when he said, "You're buying his. You're buying him at the absolute height." Um, I, I don't think there's any way he returns value as the number two overall player. Uh, and, and I don't have him, and I probably won't because he's not going to last till nine or ten, just because I'm just picking running backs in the first round. And a lot of times in the first two rounds, you know, almost every every draft I'm doing. Yeah, by the way, drafting the eventual RB1 gives you a ups your chance of winning your league by more than 50% if you have the RB1 on your roster. So... Hunt for that RB1. Wide receivers are... I mean, yes, the elite guys are great, but, like, you can survive with three dudes in the 10 to 20 range. You can't do that with running backs. I'll just tell you this. In one of my leagues, a league that I actually won, I had a bunch of injured running backs, and I was very light in depth, and it was pretty much Chris Godwin before he got hurt and Cooper Cup that carried me to the finals. Godwin got hurt, I believe it was in my semifinal, the week of my semifinal. So I didn't even have him when I beat Jim Bowden by 54 points. Oops, did I bring that up again? But Right, okay, but Cooper Cup was also so far ahead of everybody right. else in every scoring metric. You're right. And I think he was the number one overall player regardless of position last year. No, like, you're right about that. I, when's that, the last time a wide receiver outpointed a quarterback? That's a good question. Calvin Johnson? <laughs> Maybe. But that's a while ago. <laughs> right. No, it's a hell of a long Guy got drafted after Brady, played, retired, and is in the Hall of Fame before Brady, and who's still playing. <laughs> right. Seriously. 
just you're right. He was he was very much out in front. Carried me, I'll tell you that much. Sells, who's a player that you're unsure about right now when it comes to drafting? That's such a good question. I'm still gonna go. I'm still gonna go with Saquon. I know his ADP is falling a little bit. It's at 16 and a half right now in July based on NFFC. But I don't know, man. You got a new coaching staff. They need to see what Daniel Jones has in a prove-it year coming up on drafts that have really good quarterbacks in them. Like, if you look at next year's quarterback class, there are legit 10 guys that could go as the number one quarterback, right? So it's a deep class. It's good. They have to find out what they have in Daniel Jones. Hopefully their wide receivers are going to be healthy this year. And as much as everybody wants to believe that that Saquon's healthy. I don't know that he is, man. He took a pounding at Penn State. Like, he was their entire offense. So, I don't know. I I, I will pass on Saquon at that point. I mean, Javonta Williams is going about the same spot. Aaron Jones is going about the same spot. I'd rather have them. I'll take Leonard Fournette, who's going to start to fall because he's 260 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'll take those guys. Hell, I'll take Nick Chubb down at 25 and a half over Saquon at 16 and a half. Like, I, I don't get the love affair with Saquon. And it's it's second round now for a while. And and look, we start looking at these draft boards so early. Before, like March. Yes. You, no. For me, see, I don't go that far, Cells. I at least wait. I give myself the courtesy of at least waiting until the NFL draft is over, just so I can see some bare bones while we have in the depth. You start looking at March, my friend. I don't. I'm just saying there are people in our industry that look at March. Okay, before the NFL draft. Well, that's that's smart right there. Not. <laughs> Saquon Barkley, though, he, this was someone who I feel like a month ago, less than a month ago, going in the third round, solidly in the third round. I was actually seeing him and Zeke in somewhat close spots. Now, all of a sudden, he's starting to move up a little bit, Ryan, and just it seems like more people with all the questions with players like Christian McCaffrey and maybe questions about the Giants offense as a whole that we're not really talking about, I think by default, that's elevated Saquon's interest level. Uh, I'm with both of you guys. I don't understand it. I'm not doing it. I, I, I don't think I would take him in the third round, never mind the second. Uh, it's just too many injuries, too many questions about the team, too many questions about the offense. Daniel Jones very well might not be the guy. Uh, and if you have a quarterback who can't run an offense, like we've seen that every year, then I mean, that is a huge detriment to your ability to move the ball. And by the way, a great cue for the defense to stack the box. He's an explosive player. The other thing I don't like about him, he's like one, two, one for 82. I right. hate those. Yep. I don't want those guys either. Like, if he doesn't break that big play, you're looking at four fantasy points. So, yep, I yeah, brought I, that up before, too, that he's like yep. a one big play. Also, by the way, people crapped all over Buffalo's running backs the last, like, three years, right? Didn't want any piece of Buffalo's supposedly good uh, running backs. Where do you think the Giants' offense comes from? <laughs> right. It's Buffalo's offense. Also, by the way, Saquon is 25 picks in ADP ahead of Ezekiel Elliott at the moment. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's changed. Zeke is at like 42. Good. I'll take him. I'll take him at 42. But they're the same guy. Listen, I'll take him. I'll save the draft by then. If we're investing in someone like Zeke, 
I have this really wild, stupid theory that is unproven that seriously is just me being a obsessed sports fan and seeing guys like Patrick Ewing for his entire career with his big ass knee braces and everything and how it impacts moving. I'm telling you that brace that Zeke was wearing, it limited everything. That was a big freaking brace. And I was telling someone, I forget who it was on whatever show in the last week, that brace, you can't change it. The technology is not at the point where we don't have thin braces that are small, that are mobile to the point where they'll still keep your knee in place. That defies the laws of physics right there. The braces have to stay the size and it impacts cutting ability. Also, by the way, what's the point of a knee brace? To keep the knee stable. What causes the knee to lose stability? Cutting. Right. Like, when I tore my ACL, what's the one thing I could do really well? Run pretty quick for my own sake, not, like, world-class level, I'm just saying. Like, I could run quick in a straight line. You try to stop, you fall like a sack of potatoes. If you try to cut, you fall like a sack of potatoes. So, Zeke losing mobility, not great. If you look back at the first, like handful of games last year he was the guy you drafted in the first round and then he got injured so uh, you know i'll take the i'll take the risk on zeke halfway through the fourth round at this point in a 12 teamer i'm not drafting the same guy in the second round in in saquon it's which by the way not only that but saquon hasn't doesn't have the history that zeke has we've seen zeke have success many years we've seen saquon have really one good year right it was his rookie year when nobody had tape on him. So, like. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised, by the way, that Javante Williams has slipped a little bit among high-stakes players. I'm not. Are we that afraid of Melvin Gordon? Melvin Gordon was the lead back for most of the year last year. Right. right. And they brought him back. And, by the way, if we're talking about offensive schemes, where does Denver's offensive scheme come from? Green Bay. What has Green Bay done really well in the last two years? Right. Used Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Yep. And Russell Wilson loves it when they run. But at the same time, Melvin Gordon was there last year, and he still did really well. And he catches more passes. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, it doesn't change. The fact that Melvin Gordon re-signed, I don't know why people are getting scared off on Javonta now. It's a great value, 17-18. I would take him over Saquon easily. Me too. I mean, Ryan, who's a player that you're thinking at this point that you're just so unsure about drafting? It's not unsure. I just don't think I want – it's another guy who just was just too good last year, and it's Mark Andrews. He's going, like, end of the second round, beginning of the third round. Like, all right, last year he had 60 more targets than he ever had in his career, 43 more receptions than he ever had in his re- career, 500 more yards than he ever had in his career before. I, it, it, he was just so like he's going the second tight end off the board. Was it late second, early third round? I, I, I'm sure he's still going to score a bunch of touchdowns. Uh, you know, he's had seven, he's had ten in his career. He had nine last year, but I can't see him getting anywhere near the reception or yards again. And I, I'm not a big tight end early guy anyway. I don't think he's Travis Kelsey, and he's being treated like almost Travis Kelsey. And I am not buying it. See, I'm split on this one. I can buy that argument. But the other side of me goes, well, they just traded Marquise Brown. Right? They traded Hollywood Brown. They weren't getting the same targets. No, but 
you combine the fact that now there's open targets, there's a relatively unproven wide receiver core there. I mean, I know we all expect big things from Bateman, but he's still unproven. Devin DuVernay is getting all sorts of helium at this point, which I don't really begin to understand. Um, but Baltimore's offense has always run through the tight ends, like all the way back to like Todd Heap, man. That guy was awesome. But like, so part of me goes, well, there's targets open and it's Mark Andrews and they run it through there. The other part of me believes what you're saying, that he's not getting anywhere close to what he did last year. So it's a Cooper Cup situation. The third point is I still don't trust Lamar Jackson as a quarterback. I still don't. I think he's Michael Vick 2.0. I really do. I think he got uh, exposed last year where if you can stop him from running, he can't beat you because his passing isn't – I mean, it's like Michael Vick, right? If you could contain Vick, the Falcons were dead in the water most of the time. So I'm split on, on Mark Andrews. I'd like a little discount, but I can buy why he's going up there because tight end is so damn shallow that – I don't know that it is, really. I mean, you're getting, like, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard and guys like that, like, not double-digit rounds, but pretty close. And, and are we so sure that Andrews is going to be seven round better than those guys? Well, that's fair. I mean, I like Dallas Goddard better than Zach Ertz, but, yeah, they, um, you know. There's, like, a decent chunk. Too. Yeah, there's a decent chunk of, like, not saying good, but pretty decent tight end that you can live with more okay. than I feel like there has been in the recent past. Okay, you, you sold me. You sold me. I'll go with you. I have one share so far of Mark Andrews, and that was in the tight end premium Scott, you know, bonus Scott Fish League and the yep. Scott Fish Bowl. And I didn't mind the pick where I got him. I got him at the second round, you know, my for my second round pick. I had no problem with that. Okay, so let me let me ask you this question real quick. Yes, Scott Fish is tight end premium because it's a half-point PPR for everybody else and full-point PPR for tight ends. However, if you weren't getting the extra, like if first downs weren't in there, would you have taken Mark Andrews that high? I See, like Ryan, I mean, Ryan's not unsure. I'm more in the unsure for Mark Andrews because I have had – that taste of what it's like having a Travis Kelsey-type player. And let me tell you, man, as someone who spent most of his fantasy career going after the Austin Safarian Jenkins <laughs> barrel, let's see if I don't have to spend a single meaningful round pick on tight end. I, I kind of like the taste. But now, as Ryan's saying, Ryan mentioned Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz thus far is my most dra- best ball, and so far with what I've drafted, he's my most drafted tight end. So I see where Ryan's point is coming in. Now, I'm in my draft, and let's say I have the first pick. And all of a sudden, it's, you know, I'm sitting there, and he's there in that, the beginning of the third round. I'd be open to it if I'm really loving life and I'm feeling it. I'd be open to it. But I'm not, he's not an active target, I'd say, for me. But I'd be open to drafting him. In so re- if, if I was solid in two running backs and and – somehow either Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews are sitting there in the beginning of the third round in that situation. I might go for it because at that point you're basically getting a wide receiver one where you're not going to find wide receiver ones on the board still, right? Like that's, that's the draw for those guys as they get targeted so much. It's like they're wide receivers. 
Well, here's a, I agree with you on Kelsey, but I mean, if Mark Andrews goes back to Mark Andrews, uh, his other three years, he ain't nowhere near wide receiver one. I mean, 58 receptions for 701 yards, 64 receptions for 852 yards. I mean, a nice number of touchdowns, but if he regresses, okay. he's not going to be near a wide receiver one. That's true. I guess it's... I very... agree with you on Kelsey, though. I think Kelsey, even with them losing Tyreek Hill, I'm not worried about Kelsey really falling back at all. I know some people are, but... Uh, Actually, I love Juju Smith-Schuster this year. I flat out love Juju. I wonder if there's going to be uh, someone who steps up or if they're going to be... Please Cap- do, God, don't say Mecole Hardman. Please no, no, no. Oh, my God. I, anyone drafts him to me is a mystery. Uh, I know. I wonder if it's going to be Kelsey and four guys who catch 60 passes. Right. And who scores the touchdown. I think Juju goes back to the Juju he was like three years ago in Pittsburgh. I think he has. I think he has that kind of year. I really do. <laughs> the value is good on Juju right now too. I think they're going to spread it around. Personally, I mean, with Kelsey, you know what you're getting at Kelsey. And again, I'm fine with that third round. I'm fine with Mark Andrews. I'm trying to think of if he does regress, what I'd be okay with. He caught 107 passes, so if he caught maybe 95 and one or two less touchdowns, I'd still be pretty satisfied with that. Yes, that's a very, very uh, generous. That's not a lot of regression. (laughs) Hey, fine. I'll go, you know what? I'll think of another number then. There he goes. There he goes. Let's say 78, and even I'll give him 1,000 yards. I mean, that's... that's, Does he score 12 touchdowns? (laughs) That's... that's, in, in a PPR, that's 30 points for receptions and you know, 300 yards is another. That's 60 points off of what he did last year. And and 78 and 1,000 yards is still a pretty good season. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we will see. That's the best part of all this. Yeah. Is like, you know, it's We're a ways away yet. But, waiting right now. Yeah, but we okay. all can find out. So I have a question. I know we all say wait on quarterback, right? Like, there's not a huge difference between maybe for Josh Allen there is, but like between this year's number two guy and this year's like number 10 guy, there's not a huge difference, right? There's something very interesting going on in the quarterback uh, ADP on NFFC. Trey Lance right now uh-huh. is, is the 12th highest drafted quarterback, which means somebody, a lot of people are drafting him as their QB one in 12 team leagues. Right here are guys that are currently behind Trey Lance in the July ADP: Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Justin Fields, Tua, Matt Ryan is nineteenth. Like Mac Jones is twenty third for God's sakes. What? Why? What is up with this with Trey Lance? Like they still have Jimmy G. I, I, I'm sorry, but even if even if he's gone, right? I I don't I don't value Trey Lance that high. Like, did no. we see did we see something in the two games that he played last year that I missed that said he's a can't miss prospect? I know he can run the ball, and Jesus Christ, as a fan, I hope to God he just he lives up to all these expectations. But mine are really low uh, as a fantasy player and as a fan. Like. I know that, you know, he was very different from Jimmy Garoppolo and maybe Kyle Shanahan had a hard time putting the game plan together in time for the one week that he played here and one week he played there. 
But man, I didn't see a lot of zip on that arm and I saw a lot of uncreative running. So uh, I'm hoping that it was a slow start and this year will be something different. If he's even the starter, I'll guarantee you now Garoppolo is still on the team. He's starting week one. So people who are drafting him as their, their number one quarterback, uh, to me, are out of their mind. They better take a second one pretty damn quick. Just in Also, case. he's going seven picks after Stafford. Oh, my God. Yeah. Who's going seven picks after Russell Wilson, who has a far better offense around him than – like, I oh. don't – like, why is Derek Carr so low? He just got the best wide receiver in the league. I don't know that answer to that one either. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, let let others take the plunge on that. But, hey, for those that are listening to Family Times, we don't understand that. So be careful with the helium tank regarding Trey Lance at this point. That's, yeah. Also, Joe Burrow being the fourth is kind of surprising. Yeah, I like him better in the sixth, personally. Well, I mean, he's the fourth quarterback. He's going in 64. Fourth and okay, so he's going in the sixth round. I right, think but he's the fourth, fourth quarterback yes. off the board. I'm fine with that. Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Mahomes, and Burrow. Yep, I'm fine with that. Two picks better than Lamar. I'm fine. I'm fine with Burrow going top four. Yeah, me too. I'm, I, mean, I mean, I'm fine could... with that too. I'm just saying he should be like two. Oh, 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 okay. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm, I not, no, I'm no. not saying he should be outside the top four. I'm saying he should be better than Herbert and Mahomes. I was about I to go into like a two-minute tirade about why he absolutely deserves to be. No, I love, I love Boyd. I love Higgins. I love Jamar Chase. I love Mixon. I love their offensive line. Like, and people here are big fans of the Bengals because Zach Taylor, their coach, used to play quarterback at UNL. So, like. <laughs> I do not personally have him in front of uh, Herbert, but I uh, could see him anything after that. I I love Justin Herbert. I think he's just got everything. Uh, I, I know Bengals might have a slightly better offense, but I think they uh, uh, I think their running back runs a little more. While the Chargers, you know, running back catches a little more, which is a little more for uh, for Herbert to get to. It, it's close, but I I, I like I, the I like, I like just the defenses. I like the defenses that Burrow gets to play over the defenses that Herbert will have to play. I think the okay. Chiefs' defense is underrated. The Broncos is pretty good, and they all improved this year. The Raiders, the Raiders were pretty decent on defense down the stretch. Um, you get that AFC North in December. You know, sometimes it gets a little messy. Okay, but Cleveland sucks in every phase of the ball. Uh, Pittsburgh's defense, if TJ Watt's not on the field, it's not a great unit. And Baltimore's defense has lost like 19 linebackers in the last four years. So <laughs> I'm not that concerned. All right, guys, let's go to the family table. Let's visit the family table because there's something I, I want to talk about very quickly. And Ooh. I'd be very shocked at this. And it's something we have to watch out for. We talk a lot about coach speak. We talk a lot about beat writers speak. We talk a lot about player speak as well. The whole report about Chris Godwin him wanting to play week one and everything like that. I, I just don't believe it. I, I don't see it. I was expecting Chris Godwin to miss at least five to six weeks. The fact that he's going to be ready for week one, of course he wants to play. Everybody wants to play. I just, it's one of those things where I just want to issue a caution flag when drafting Chris Godwin 
at what you would consider normal ADP. You know, take advantage if you want of the value if your receiving court, you know, is allowing of it. Same for those that want to draft DeAndre Hopkins. But the difference between both of them is Godwin's coming off of an injury. And with that, I just don't understand how this guy who tears his knee up in week 15 of the NFL season will be ready week one after we were told for weeks after the injury happened that he was going to miss the first six to seven weeks. Now all of a sudden, maybe ready for week one. I just don't see it. And just be careful. And as of right now, I'd be careful if you're thinking of overdrafting him at this point. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, also keep in mind week 15 last year was a week later than standard week 15 because they got off to a later start too. Um, So that shortens it by a week. Uh, Not that a week makes a huge difference, but it it can. Um, Ryan, what do you got? Because I... I'm still formulating one. <laughs> oh, okay, good. I'm, well, since I didn't really have anything great, I'm going to piggyback off something you said before, and it's going to be be careful about July news. Uh, last year, Jamar Chase couldn't catch in July, and he, he was using the wrong footballs, and this year Leonard Fournette is 260 pounds. Uh, there's two months before we play a game almost. Uh, there's plenty of time for him to get into shape. I, I think that news and plenty of other news right now is going to be overblown because we're dying for something to talk about and we're in drafts and, and looking for things. So please be careful and think when you see news now uh, that there is a lot of time before football games are played. So uh, be wary of headlines. Please read articles. Don't just uh, go off headlines. I believe we probably said this exact same thing last year on the show. Uh, but, you know, please don't overreact to tidbits. Uh, not everything from a beat writer is, you know, uh, a gospel. It's someone's, you know, taking something they heard and running with it. Uh, so so be very, very careful, especially it's July 18th, uh, of just getting an opinion based off something that you see online and, and just running with it without thinking of where we are and, and who might be telling you it. Yep, I would fully agree. Beat writers are mostly, uh, you know, attention whores, to put it politely. So they just want whatever is clickable. So they're going to run with if one guy who might be 17th on the totem pole in the organization said something, they're going to put it out because it's way more fun to watch the fire burn than to not start one in the first place. Not that I'm a pyro, I'm just saying. Um, what I'm going to go with is, I'm sorry, John, I gotta, I, I, I got to do it. We had two podcasts, maybe three, actually, because I think I missed the third one, about how to set up your league. (laughs) And the FA Mock Draft, the commissioner, who is absent-minded, and by the way, it gets back to my point about why I don't trust one person who might not be able to do their job very well versus trusting league votes, but uh, failed to set the defaults the right way. Not only was the draft set for the wrong day originally, uh, it was set for the wrong format. And somehow he gave us quote unquote experts four minutes a pick <laughs> in a mock draft, which then some of us who shall remain nameless uh, took three and a half minutes of almost every single pick. Does, it, mock rhyme, draft. does it rhyme with Ruby Didio? Yes. 
<laughs> um, he may have been working, so I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to throw him under the bus there a little bit. But I'm with Rovro Didio. We're all um, in the family, and it's over now, so we can joke about it. Right, we can joke about it. But in all seriousness, I went to the Royals Royals Tigers game last Wednesday. It was fantastic. It was a five to two game. It took two hours and forty minutes. Our FA mock draft the following night, which was only twenty rounds. Um, and st- filled by the people you're asking for fantasy football advice, uh, took two hours and 20 minutes. So they almost played a nine inning baseball game in as much time as it took us to draft 20 dudes per team. Um, so make sure you don't fly through the defaults on your draft setup. Make sure you don't just assume because we all know what assume turns into, um, Go through with a fine-tooth comb. Make sure you set it up the way you want it. Make sure if you want guys who are out to be able to put you put on your IR, you set it that way. If you don't, change it. If you want trades to be vetoed by X number of people, make sure you set it that way. Make sure you set your draft for the right time. Make sure you set the clock for the right time. Make sure the rosters are set. If you're going to set up a league, do it the right way. Don't just... Assume that the site sets it up the way you want it, because odds are they probably don't. And it happened to one of our own. Again, <laughs> for like the fifth year in a row. I think he does it on purpose because it's a tradition at this point. Um, but <laughs> just set up your – don't get halfway through and go, oh, geez, that's taking way too long. Um, and then, like, try to shorten stuff or skip picks. Just set it up the right way in the first place. Take the extra time. Read through things. Don't understand something? Email the dang site and ask, hey, what does this feature do? Sure, they'll be happy to answer you. It was funny when Ronas commented that they should next time we should have 10 minutes per pick. <laughs> <laughs> there were people that made multiple uh, picks in their Scott Fishbowl slow drafts right. <laughs> in the time it took yeah. us to do a normal mock draft so yeah um, let's not talk about this anymore that was frustrating enough but yes <laughs> we almost covered it live on i almost did my nascar hit live i i know and Ronis. i was trying to get everybody to continue to stall and the <laughs> only one that listened to me was servo so i tried <laughs> to get everybody else to stall as well so we could cover our mock draft live which will be on the site over in the coming days fantasyalarm.com this has been another family meetup for the Family Times podcast. Give Matt Sells a follow on Twitter at the Sellsman. Give Ryan Hallam a follow at Fighting Chance. I'm at Fenty Sports. We'll be back. More fantasy football coverage. We only covered a few players tonight. Got in a little baseball as well, but that's just the tip of the iceberg because we're going to dive in deep. We're going to help you win because a family that sticks together wins together. <laughs>